Welcome to Meaningful Minutes, a podcast provided by Beautiful Outcome, where we are passionate about the adventure of creating lives of meaning. I'm your host, Julia Woods, and today we're going to talk about the transformation available to us as women through the transitions of motherhood. I don't know about you, but for me, I love change as long as I get to have a say in what's changing. If I can have some sense of control and be the one that's choosing the change, I quickly jump in with both feet. However, if if a change is being thrust upon me and I didn't ask for it, I can easily turn to control and resist the transformation that's waiting for me in the transition up until now. Well, I think God knew exactly what he was doing when he blessed me with four children. I think it was a sonar missile headed right at my resistance to change that's out of my control. Because the one thing I've always been able to count on with my children is the moment I felt like things were under control, my kids were changing things up as they moved into the next phase of growing older. I'm hopeful that my resistance lessened with each child, But it's possible that's just a fantasy of mine. As I coach moms, I see and hear their suffering in their longing to understand how to connect more deeply with their children in each phase of their life. I so resonate. Our oldest daughter is 25 years old and talking about having children. So according to my timeline of the different transitions we'll go through as a mother with our children, I'm nearing the halfway mark. Because once she has kids of her own, then I get to walk back through the phases of a mother to her and as a grandmother to her child. I love this cycle of life. So here's my idea of the different phases of a mother with a one word overarching definition of what I experience that phase to represent as a mother. First, we have the newborn phase, which I nickname dying to self. Then we have the toddler phase, which I call wonder. The preschool phase, which I call curiosity. The grade school phase, which I call busy. The junior high phase, uncertainty. The teenagers, ego busters. Young adults, launching. Adult kids, friendship. Grandparenting, repeat with grace. As we walk through each of these phases, we get an opportunity to be transformed in the transition. Today, I'm going to share with you a combination of what I'm learning a child goes through alongside of what I sense a mother is going through as both child and mother work to adapt to each new phase. My hope is that no matter what phase in motherhood you are in, you'll be able to laugh at yourself, recognize you aren't alone, and possibly gain some new perspective that can open new possibilities for you now and when that phase comes back around for you as a grandmother or a great-grandmother. So let's jump right in with the first phase, the newborn dying to self phase. From conception to two years old is the most significant development of a person's belief system. The belief system is the filter that every bit of information will pass through during one's life. This filter assesses what each individual believes to be true about themselves, others, 
and life, or God. Based on our experiences of things like acceptance, safety, love, nurturing, and impact on those around us, our core belief system is developed. Each experience through pregnancy, delivery, postpartum, the first and second year is informing the baby what's true about the impact that their presence makes on the world. Is there enough in life for them? How will people show up for them? And whether life will offer them what they need are all the elements of what the development happens through. If your parents were elated at the news of your existence, that forms a different belief system than if they were unhappy happy at the awareness of their pregnancy with you. So the newborn phase for each child is like coming into a bucket of water as a dry sponge. They are learning everything from how to be mobile, feed themselves, close themselves, how to get what they want and deal with the things they don't like. They need their parents and community to show up to help them learn all of these things. As the mother, you are the key player in their life as you offer your body as their home to grow and develop. And once they're born, if you nurse the baby again, they rely on you. They need you in the most significant ways. You are asked to give and give and give some more. From morning sickness to giving up your flat stomach, to aches and pains, stretch marks, uncomfortable sleeping, waking up multiple times in the night to go to the bathroom, painful hours of labor, stitches, discomfort of nursing, agony of milk coming in, shifting your career, more interruptions to your sleep, thousands of dirty diapers to change, baby food to prepare, bottles to wash, a baby to entertain and comfort, laundry galore, and a husband to continue to give yourself to. On and on, the list of opportunities to offer yourself goes. Your ego, which is made up of your desire to look good, feel good, be right, and be in control, greatly gets bruised. I can tell you for myself, this was the hardest season of parenting for me. I learned how much I like my personal space and independency. It also brought me face-to-face with my belief system and how my parents had shown up for me when I was a newborn. While I didn't understand at the time that that was what was being triggered, I can see that my lack of patience, frustrations, anger, and giving more of myself than was needed by over-nursing and not setting boundaries with our daughter's sleep schedule was all a resistance to face my past. I put a big smile on the best I could, and wondered what in the world I had signed up for as I got to choose to give myself in ways I'd never done before. Yet the love of a mother has for a child brings her to be willing and able to do things most days without complaint. It is a remarkable bonding that occurs, and we're happy to exchange all of this hard work for the hint of a smile, those sweet coos, a laugh, or to hear them say, Mama. While we die to ourselves, we gain a love we've never known, 
and giving life to our baby grounds us into the bigger purpose and calling of our life. Our commitment to live increases as we want to continue to be able to offer ourselves to this incredible child of ours. As we move into the toddler wonder phase, our baby's belief system is established and their personality is exposing itself. The physical demands of diaper changing, feeding, and clothing come to an end, and they turn into a constant frizzy of movement as we hover around our child, working to keep them out of harm's way as they learn to run, climb, jump, and sneak away from us. The need to teach them self-control and how to respect boundaries is paramount in this toddler phase. The foundation of self-control actually begins far before they get to toddlerhood, and if that is done well, it makes deepening it in this phase so much easier. There are common phrases like terrible twos and the trying threes, but personally, I didn't really experience those things to be true with my kids. Everyone told us to be prepared because the threes are harder than the twos. I found them to be different but I wouldn't describe them as harder. Early on, we knew not to let our kids play with things like the car keys, the remote control, or our phones, because one day we knew they'd be able to push the buttons that could cause issues. My husband and I were told most commonly that what makes the threes harder is because people it's when people give their two-year-old child freedoms that they then need to take away from them once they're three. Because now at three, they're smarter, and these freedoms that were beyond their age at two are now causing problems because these freedoms were given to them too early. Man, that was really helpful for us in the toddler phase. The option to learn self-control is present for both the child and the parent, as the parent learns what's age-appropriate and what isn't. Together, they both are able to navigate the learning curve the child is walking through, and the mother, for that matter. It's a time of wonder for both child and mom. The toddler wonders how things work, how to communicate what they want, and how to do what they see the big people around them doing. Moms wonder about who this child is and how they can support them. We wonder about what and how to teach them and how in the world we got the honor of raising this little person who we see such greatness in. All this wonder turns into the preschool curiosity phase as our child prepares to enter kindergarten. Each day is an endless line of questions as four and five-year-olds are the most curious of any age. Research shows, on average, the mother of a four-year-old girl is asked one question every minute and 56 seconds. That's more questions per day than a primary school teacher is asked in a day by her whole class. This curiosity is such a powerful resource to the child's ability to learn and grow both now and in the future. For the mother, the demands move more from a physical nature to a mental nature. We wonder what to say and what not to say when our preschooler asks us where babies come from. Many of the questions that we're presented with, we aren't sure we ever thought about, much less have a sense of how to explain it to our child. 
This is the stage where I think children are ready to start learning how to hear their heart. The willingness to ask them questions about what they think and feel and what their heart is telling them not only opens up their curiosity, but it helps them start learning to locate the communication center inside of them. With the continued invitation to learn self-control, combined with an ability to listen to their heart, they can gain the power of transformation before they ever enter the fourth phase of grade school busy. Research shows that this is when curiosity begins to slow down, and I believe the introduction to peers is connected to that decline. This is where the child starts to be tempted by people-pleasing, social status, giving up their voice, and trying to figure out how to be liked and fit in. This is also where the mother begins to gain her freedom back as each child enters into seven to eight hours of being gone from the house each day. Opportunities for sports and activities increase and the amount of time the family is away from home definitely increases. The mother is presented with less questions and gets to find ways to ask questions that open up a dialogue into what their child is facing and experiencing at school. With so many voices in the child's life, now it can be scary to wonder what is sticking in their minds and what isn't. It's really challenging to learn how to balance more demands at work, more demands with the kids' school schedule and sports activities, and find ways to inquire into their hearts. To me, while all this is going on, it is such a beautiful oasis in between the heavy physical demands of young children and the soon-to-be mental and emotional new demands of the junior high and teenage phase. As the child enters into the junior high uncertainty, so much begins to change. They are experiencing more freedom and able to do things that bring the parents to start letting go in new ways. Their bodies are changing and it becomes obvious to both of us that 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 the end of childhood is coming and adult life is on its way. I can see that for myself, the temptation to want to control increased in this season. I feared I hadn't taught them everything I needed for them to be ready for all these new freedoms that they were being invited into. I was scared about the new temptations they were being introduced to as they spent more time with peers and their peers' families. I wanted my kids to believe and value the same things I did, as that seemed the most likely way to keep them safe. But they were in the process of developing and exposing their own beliefs and values. And when their beliefs and values differed from mine, it was hard for me to stay curious and not just tell them that they were wrong and that that isn't what they should believe. In this phase, the opportunity for both parent and child to grow self-control and curiosity abounds. I believe for myself, it was the fear and curiosity and the uncertainty, that uncertainty of how to be with my kids in this season that brought me to dive into learning how to hear my own heart because I hadn't understood it before then. I felt like I had the answers, but my kids didn't seem to want my answers anymore in this phase. They wanted their own, 
or the ones of their friends or their friends' parents. The ones they wanted to offer them is what my kids seem most attracted to. My approach of telling them to what to do was no longer working, and they were quickly becoming individuals with their own ways of thinking and doing things. While that part of this phase was uncomfortable, the fun our family could have together at this phase greatly increased as the adventures became more interesting to all of us and deepened the conversations between us. The fun and uncertainty of junior high quickly turns in to the high school ego-busting years. Much like the bruising to the ego of the newborn and toddler phase, the same challenges came back around in this phase. In some ways, whatever wasn't come to terms with there in that toddler phase, as you turned to adapt to their budding personalities and work through the power struggles, they resurfaced. Only this time, you couldn't pick them up and squeeze them tight until they calmed down. At this point, it is a battle of the minds that happens through conversations. I am in my fourth season of the high school years, as our youngest is now a sophomore, and I couldn't, I continue to love this phase more and more. My friendship with my kids deepens in this phase, and the fun continues to increase. The uncomfortable for me in this phase is that it becomes really obvious that control does not work. It doesn't mean we don't create clear expectations and set up consequences and boundaries, but what it does mean is we get to work out a lot more things through powerful conversations rather than laying down the law. I can tell you that with our oldest two kids, I was still more focused on the do-what-I-say controlling style of parenting, and working to get these two kids to communicate was extremely challenging out of that style. Based on the shame-based parenting style I was using at that time, the best choice they saw available to them was to shut down and not communicate. When we would talk with them, they would look at the ground and hardly say anything. Or when they did speak, it would come out with a lot of emotions, which made it challenging to hear what was at the heart of what they wanted and needed to say. I was also much more immature in my emotional develop, in development, so I easily heard their frustrations as shame towards me, which made breakdown, breakthrough conversations pretty rare. That was hard, and I could tell my approach was not working. Thankfully, I got to go again with our next two children's high school years, and as we shifted, our experiences with them shifted as well. Our youngest two daughters got our respect for them and therefore wanted our input in their lives. For the most part, we're able to have curious conversations and hear each other's hearts. We trust them and they trust us. And while it can get messy, in the end, we find a way to hear each other and come to agreement about what we believe is best in each situation. The depth of these types of conversations prepares all of us for the young adult launching phase. With the three of our kids who are and have been in this phase, we have walked through college, life partner selection, and marriage. 
Our kids believed they were ready to launch long before my husband and I did. I'm not sure if we ever would have considered ourselves ready for our girls to launch. However, with our son, we knew it was time. He was 19 when he went to England to study filmmaking, and we all knew it was time for him to leave the nest. This phase is such an exciting and scary time for me. I see the incredible human beings our kids are becoming, and at the same time, I see the world they are walking into, and I still want to protect them from anything that could hurt them. Many times their choices are not the ones I would make, and yet my willingness to trust them, be honest with them, and let them live their lives can be a really messy and bonding experience as we wrestle through it with each one, one moment at a time. Together, we're all learning to follow our hearts in deeper ways as they choose what they want for their future. And I choose to follow my heart in knowing when and when not to ask questions and share my heart. There are no right answers or right ways to show up. Together, we have been growing in relationship from the day I knew they were alive. And that relationship is the foundation that we build their future on. The way they need me now is completely different. And yet, they still need me. They need me to love them no matter what. Encourage them to trust themselves. Be honest with them. Share feedback about blind spots they may not be seeing and believe in the amazing people they are becoming. That requires the greatest amount of self-control I have gotten to offer thus far as a mother. It is beautifully messy and worth every tearful conversation we continue to have. Because this phase is leading them in to the phase of the adult kids the friendship phase. Since my kids were born, I have called each of the phases we have walked through and talked about so far today my favorite, and I've meant that with all my heart. Each phase has gotten better and better, and this one is even better and my favorite. As we speak, our oldest daughter, Jalen, is in this phase as she is married to her husband, Joey, and they live 3,000 miles away in Illinois. While her years in the high school and young adult phase were challenging on our relationship as Jeff and I struggled to trust her choices, we have had a lot of restoration in the last five years of her being in this adult phase. We have seen she knew so much more about what she wanted and needed than we could, and she has chosen well. She loves and cares deeply and is such an amazing human being. Our son is also in this phase and will, be marry, will marry his bride, Morgan, this year. He and I have had some powerful experiences in his high school and young adult phases that are opening up the beauty of what we are experiencing in his adult phase. We had some significant breakthrough conversations that brought him to begin to see that I wanted him to be honest with me about what he thought and felt. As I learned how to embrace his strength and power rather than run from it, we started to be able to see and hear each other 
in authentic ways. He has this gift of making me laugh when I get too serious and giving me very direct feedback that helps me grow. We are so proud of our adult kids. They are both our dearest friends. Our daughter and I talk almost every day, and I experience our son to want less of my day-to-day interactions in his life. I'm continuing to learn to ask questions about what they want and need rather than assume that I know. There is no conversation too big for us to have, and we continue to learn how to have them in more powerful ways, one conversation at a time. As we prepare, as they prepare to have their own children, I will move into the next phase of motherhood as a grandparent where I get to repeat with grace all of the phases of transition with them as they parent their children. It is interesting how life prepares you for what is next. While our oldest oldest daughter is simply talking about having a baby, my heart soars for knowing that phase will come when it's time. What excites me most is seeing her as a mother. She is the most amazing wife big sister and friend, and I can only imagine the sweet and gentle mother she will become as she steps into the many phases of motherhood. For myself, I'm excited to get to go again and walk through each of these phases as a grandmother to my grandchildren. I am grateful for the in, for the internal maturity and character development I have chosen up until this point that I look forward to living out of and continuing to deepen as my someday grandchildren teach me about life through their eyes. And the best news is I'll get to go again after that with great-grandchildren. The transitions of motherhood are such a beautiful journey that we women get to walk through. While our children call us to sacrifice and offer ourselves in ways that nothing else really does, the return on our investment is priceless. I feel beyond blessed to be a mother to Jalen, Josiah, Josie, and Genevieve Sophia and their spouses. I'm honored to parent alongside of my husband and their father, Jeff. The seven of them are my people. They are home to me, and they fill my heart to overflowing like nothing else in this world has to offer. Their grace and love for me as I fumble through the transitions of motherhood calls me up to be the best version of myself that I can be for them because they move me to want to offer them more. I hope that you will grace yourself no matter what transition you are in and keep your eyes on the gift of getting to go again no matter where you are today. If you are a mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, or a great-great-grandmother, you hold a place that no one else in this world can hold in your children's lives. I pray you embrace and let it transform you as you offer the best version of yourself to your people. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and then share this podcast with a friend. For more resources or to contact me, please go to my website, beautifuloutdumb.com. 
I look forward to connecting with you again soon.